Welcome to Strong and Free, the podcast dedicated to providing you with the information that you need on the topics of the day. No bias, no conjecture, just facts. So, let's go. Mic check, mic check. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Strong and Free for the week of March 11th. Hi everyone, I'm Christopher. It's been quite the week. I'm sorry for the radio silence. Um, I actually uh, just uploaded my first YouTube video, and man, that is uh, that was quite the process. I totally underestimated video editing. That is an art in and of itself, and um, that took some time. So sorry for the radio silence a little bit. Um, usually these are uploaded Sunday morning and it's now Monday evening. So I apologize to all of my listeners out there. It was totally my fault. Man, before we jump into today's topic, black ice. Can we talk about black ice for a second? That is the silent um, threat to winter weather in Toronto. Black ice, man. I slipped on some black ice um, my thumb's pretty swollen, um, felt kind of awkwardly, but, uh, you know, we're in this weird phase in Toronto right now where it's, it was minus 20 in the minus twenties last week. And this week it's warm, warming up to the, the plus single digits. And so a lot of snow is melting and with the snow comes water trickles and you think it's uh, water, but really it's ice and you slip and you fall. But luckily, um, I'm okay. So are so many people and it's, uh, it could be a hundred times worse. I always believe in the power of positive thinking and that someone somewhere always has it just so much harder. And so it makes all of our life's challenges just that much more bearable when we understand that we're we're going through these things in life and, you know, you just got to kind of roll with the punches. Today is a very interesting topic. And I must say in complete honesty that this episode really frustrated me. And um, I'll get into why. But uh, today, what I want to talk about was Donald Trump and immigration in the United States and uh, all the attention it's been given. And I wanted to do this from a very factual base um, and focus on exactly what Donald Trump and the Trump administration uh, is proposing when it comes to uh, immigration reform. Um, what I intended to do with this, this article, sorry, this podcast was to look at the Trump administration's immigration policies, juxtapose that with the immigration policies in Canada and show some similarities. But the more research I did, um, the more I found that you really can't compare any countries and their immigration policies The reason why I want to do this is because there was a State of the Union address that Donald Trump um, uh, made, I believe it was 2018, where he said the United States should adopt the Canadian model for immigration, a point-based system, the merit-based system that Canada has. And for those that don't know, Canada has a merit-based system, point-based system for entering into our country if you are planning to immigrate. And um, what that point-based system is, it is it really ranks you as an individual based on a whole host of factors, your age, your education, um, your ability to speak one of our official languages, um, 
your uh, dependence, all these things are quantified in a points-based system that's been around since about the 19, end of 1960s, early 1970s. Um, over time, it's kind of uh, changed, but that is the, the biggest uh, pool of immigrants uh, come from what, the, uh, what Canada calls the economic class. So the majority of immigrants that come to Canada are from the economic class, those that, um, you know, can show the government that they can not only speak one of the official languages, but they're, they, are, they would be an economic uh, contributor to the economy as well. And so the United States has a very different system. Um, but again, it, it is not right to compare Canada and the United States when it comes to immigration. And I'll tell you why. The number of immigrants that come into Canada every year has risen steadily since about the 1970s. It's around 200 to 300,000, depending on different statistics. I've seen different statistics, but it's it's anywhere between those two numbers, 200 to 300,000. 250,000 is probably the most accurate um, every year, which is um, almost 1% of our entire population. And Canada is unlike any country in the world where we receive that many immigrants on a yearly basis, annual basis. And so immigration is really a driving force of the future of the Canadian population. Our population will look very different 10, 15, 20 years from now than it does today. Um, And that's just because of the number of immigrants that are successful in their application to Canada. Um, In the United States, um, they have a very serious um, illegal immigration problem problem that Canada and other countries simply do not have. I was trying to find statistics on illegal immigration in Canada. And again, those numbers are really hard to find. Um, Canada, I think, has about 300 to 500 people. So the majority of um, illegal immigration that comes to Canada is nowhere close to the United States. To put this into perspective, depending on the statistics you read, there's anywhere from 10 to 11 million illegal immigrants in the United States right now. But the United States, much like Canada, fully embraced immigration as far back as the 1950s and earlier. Um, Immigration was part of how um, the United States built the country that they have today. I say 1950s and earlier because in the 1950s, under Republican governments, immigration was vastly expanded through uh, refugee acts and others that saw um, uh, the level of immigration um, expand. And also, depending on the statistics you read, it is tough to monitor, but um, on average across America's 329 different ports of entry, each year between 400 to over 500,000 people attempt to enter the United States illegally. And so that number is unlike any other country I was able to research online anywhere. I don't think that's comparable to any other G7 country, perhaps G20 as well. And so the United States really struggles fundamentally with illegal immigration. And there's a host of reasons for that. I mean, we can go on about how it's the land of opportunity and how there's so much um, opportunity in the United States for people to be better uh, than the country of origin. We can go on about because the United States borders Mexico. We can go on because... Um, you know, there are, are various like 
you know, if you're born in the United States, you become a citizen. There are various reasons why people from not only Central America and Latin America, but around the world try to enter the United States legally, illegally, every year, every day, every month, every year. And this puts real pressure on immigration enforcement officers, border security, and uh, the legal system. Because when you have this many people uh, crossing the United States into the United States illegally, and let's just say they're caught in 100% of the time, which is rarely the case, but if they were, there are a host of services that the United States provides um, those individuals. So when um, illegal immigrants are caught at the border, they are first determined if they are criminals. Um, because that will determine the enforcement priorities by the um, border security officers and the um, uh, and the law enforcement agents. So uh, judges and law enforcement look at does this person pose a public safety threat? Are they a repeat illegal border crosser? Are they a convicted felon? Are they a suspected child trafficker? If they are, then they are prosecuted criminally. Many other times, um, people choose to come to the United States because they're seeking asylum. They have a credible fear that if they are returned to their home country, they will be persecuted on a whole host of reasons. Maybe it's because of their own politics. Maybe it's because of their um, ethnicity or religion or a whole host of other things. In those instances, um, these individuals are not held in immigration detention centers because they're not determined, deemed as public safety risks. Rather, they are placed into removal proceedings and they are to appear before immigration hearings and then released into the United States interior as they wait uh, for their court date. This has been commonly known as catch and release and something that the Trump administration and Donald J. Trump himself uh, has talked about at length. Um, Now, there's been a lot of criticism about this uh, catch and release system, mostly that it's not effective. There's so many people that are waiting for their court dates to be heard. And um, it's not really effective because there's just, it's almost like the court dates could be years and years in the future. But by then, these individuals could have established their lives in the United States already with sending their kids to school or accessing a whole host of other social services. So there's a real cost to having them in the country to begin with. Um, And what's also interesting here, and this is something interesting that I found, the majority of illegal border crossers into the United States are single men. They're not, um, you know, families as commonly referred to in in mass media. It's single men trying to uh, come over to the border. So that was an interesting statistic I, I found. So here's the dilemma that I find myself in when talking illegal immigration and Donald Trump and the Trump administration's policies. Um, There is a large focus by this administration on the fact that illegal immigrants are not tried criminally. And that's not true. They are tried. They are initially assessed to determine whether or not these individuals are criminal. That's the first um, uh, problem I have. The second problem I have Um, is this idea that illegal immigrants bring over crime, that crime is committed by illegal immigrants in the United States, and that's costing states law enforcement money. And don't get me wrong, there is a cost. When individuals come into a country illegally, housing, 
healthcare, schooling, um, law enforcement. These are all costs that are borne um, by legal immigrants, citizen, United States citizens. Illegal immigrants do not fear that, feel that cost at all. Um, that cost is borne by someone else. And that is a real concern and an issue. And again, depending on the statistics you read and what state you look at, um, the costs can be anywhere between 4 and $6 billion U.S. annually in terms of uh, what is happening um, with the number of illegal immigrants, where they're entering, and the types of services that are provided. But before I get into that, I just want to say, statistically speaking, illegal immigration uh, crime rates by illegal immigrants across many states in the United States is statistically lower than general crime. So um, again, this is not saying that le- illegal immigration, a crime amongst illegal immigrants is not existent. In fact, the opposite. It is in existence and it does happen, but that it happens at a lower rate than the general population. Um, in fact, there are studies that suggest many illegal immigrants especially the first-generation illegal immigrants, are so fearful of getting caught that crime is actually much lower amongst first-generation illegal immigrants, but second-generation is where crime spikes. But regardless, there is a cost that is borne by states, that is borne by the federal government for enforcement that we cannot deny. But it is very important that we base policy decisions on what is statistically relevant And when crime rates amongst this population are lower, it is unfair for elected politicians or anyone else to suggest that illegal immigrants are bringing rape and murder and crime over. The problem is there's rape and murder and crime in our countries right now. Forget illegal immigration. That's happening right now amongst our citizens. And so the idea that this is being brought over, in my opinion at least, fuels the idea, the notion, that illegal immigration and illegal immigrants are somehow wrong. They are wrong by their, by their, the fact that they're illegal. And that chances are they're going to commit crime. That is, that is the linkage between the rhetoric and the perception. Perception's very, very important. And I'll get to that in a second. But the last thing I'll say on this is that, um, the last thing, one of the last things, I swear. But one of the things we need to keep in mind is rhetoric and perception. And the rhetoric that crime is being brought in is perceived as, I knew it all, all along, those illegal immigrants are bringing over crime. To illustrate this point, I believe that human beings have a really, how can I say this? We have a hard time remembering uh, remembering an event factually. Our memories are flawed. <laughs> I can only speak from personal experience, um, but our, our memories are challenging, to say the least. They're tough. Um, we don't always get to the root cause of why something happened, because you know, things happen in our lives that are traumatic and they can affect how we remember something, how we understand a situation, um, what someone said, you know, versus their intent and their meaning behind that. That could all be kind of mixed in with our emotional responses and our emotions and our mental state at the time. There's so many things that could have happened. You know, 
Um, to illustrate this, I'll give you what I think is a very important example. Um, let's say your friend moves to a really nice part of the city. And you've been wanting to go to this nice part of the city. Let's just call this part of the city, I don't know, Yorkville. Yorkville's a really upscale part of Toronto, by the way. Uh, but let's just say your friend moves to Yorkville, and you've never been there. You've always wanted, You've only heard great things. You hear celebrities go there. You hear it's such a great part of the city. And um, your friend's like, let's go out for dinner. Let's go out for dinner. We'll go out for drinks. We'll do the whole thing. And you do that, and you have a great time. You have a great time. You see all these celebrities. Let's just say it's a beautiful summer's night. Everyone's out and about. It's just a great atmosphere and vibe in this part of the city. You take pictures. You put it on social media. All your friends see it. It's great. And your friend go, you and your friend go to drinks after. And then afterwards, she says, hey, listen, I just need to stop in the convenience store and pick up gum or something like that on the way home. So you go with her and you pick up uh, gum at the convenience store. And as you as you enter the convenience store, you're just walking around, you're checking your phone, you're looking at your likes, you're looking at your comments, and you can't believe it. So many people have liked your comments. They like, sorry, liked your pictures. All these comments are talking about how great it is. You're doing an Instagram story with your friend. Everybody loves it. And you love it. And you tag the location where you're at. You do a little Snapchat story. Everybody loves the fact that you tagged Yorkville, you know, maybe the Yorkville Business in, you know, Association likes it. You're like, wow, this is incredible. I've never had so much traction of just being in an area before. And as you're in the convenience store, a masked person comes in and they rob the convenience store. They have a gun in their hand. They turn to you. They ask you for your money. You give them your wallet, all your personal ID, all the money you have, you and your friend. And that person leaves with all the money in a bag, all of your money, all of your belongings, and you're gone. That's a traumatic event. That's an event that you will always, always, always remember. It'll be hard for you to forget. And um, it'll be challenging for you to ever uh, uh, not remember that experience. So you come out of the um, convenience store, you break down, you're crying, you're going through the emotions of just being um, fully assaulted traumatically with what has happened. The police come, you give your statement, um, you're trembling, your hands are shaking, uh, you don't have a phone, this person stole your phone, they stole everything, you don't know who to call, you don't know who to text. Suddenly that experience now is something that you will not let go of, and something that you'll also relate back to that area of the city. All the st- statistics can come out about Yorkville. That is that it is the safest place in the city, that so many people want to move there, it is the happening part of the city, that it's so expensive to get even a bachelor. But all you can remember is that robbery incident, the time when that individual broke into that convenience store, robbed them blind took your personal items, invaded your personal space, space, and um, you will always remember that experience. So as time goes by and uh, time heals all wounds, you drive by that area, you go by on the TTC and public transit, and your friend tries to invite you back out, but you can't bring yourself to that. You can't bring yourself to having that uh, experience again because it triggers traumatic um Uh, memories for you. It triggers these emotions that you've carried all these years and you really can't get over it. And no matter what anyone says, you associate that experience, 
to that convenience store, to that part of town. And I feel like that type of experience, although rare, um, is what's happening with illegal immigration and crime, right? That statistically it's lower, but those instances in where it happens leave such an indelible mark with the people and the communities um, that um, it emboldens uh, them to vote along the lines of a politician who says, they're bringing crime over anyways, might as well vote for me because I'm going to crack down on that. And then suddenly those individual instances that are not statistically relevant, that are not based on the overall perception of what is happening on the ground in those communities, becomes the norm. It becomes normal for people to believe that illegal immigrants equal crime. It becomes normal for people to believe that Yorkville equals crime. Forget the statistics, let's focus on emotion. And that's where I worry for our public policy. Because our public policy should be based on facts. With, of course, people's experiences built in, but primarily based on facts. But what I'm seeing with the illegal immigration debate or discussion is that it's based more on these experiences. Many times Donald Trump uh, discusses specific instances where an illegal immigrant killed a police officer, where an illegal immigrant raped uh, a a woman, um, where an illegal immigrant, you know, stole a car and robbed a bank and, and bought a gun illegally and killed somebody. These incidences are real and their stories are important. And I'm not meaning to discount these experiences because they are important. But what I am saying is that the real discussion on illegal immigration is so much bigger than these instances. It is about talking through what are the detention facilities like for children and families? Is the United States prepared for the influx? Did you know that, you know, with 500,000 illegal border crossings every year, Does the United States have the capacity to house illegal immigrants waiting for their court dates? Yes? No? Um, What about the 11 million illegal immigrants right now in the United States? What is the plan under Donald Trump? He has made reference that there might be an ability for the United States government to go in and um, uh, uh, remove these people back to their countries of origin. But the real debate here is that The United States is unlike any other country in the world when it comes to illegal immigration. So it's so important that the conversation be correct and focused on the right things. Crime is part of this discussion, of course. It is about making sure there are funds in place to handle this. But it is hard to compare the United States to any country. So those that criticize Donald Trump and say, look to the United Kingdom, look to Canada, look to Australia, look to... It is impossible to compare what the United States is going through historically and today when it comes to legal immigration to any other country. That's number one. But number two, to those that support Donald Trump on his illegal immigration policies, I would say this. Crime rates are lower. Detention facilities are really important. Prosecution is already being done for those that are deemed criminal. And civil court proceedings are already happening right now. So demonizing illegal immigrants and the way in which the rhetoric moves forward is only acceptable, in my opinion, if it's based on statistically relevant information. But the relevant information is showing a very different picture. It's showing that, in fact, the United States is struggling 
with the administration of illegal immigration, with the court rulings and the proceedings and the facilities. Do you try adults separate from children? Do you try them as families? Do you separate the two if one is successful and the other isn't? There are a host of administrative burdens that are placed on immigration enforcement. That's not so much sexy to talk about. It's much more sexy to talk about the individual experiences that people have had with illegal immigrants. And this is why I'm concerned. Because public policy debates and discussions need to be based on facts. When we get into human beings and our experiences, we get into emotional responses that may not lead to the best policy outcomes. And we want and desperately need the best policy outcomes. So when we're having conversations with friends about Donald Trump and immigration, let's keep in mind these facts. Administration is a big issue. Detention facilities are a big issue. Processing is a big issue. Determining whether or not they're criminals or not is already being done. This is already happening um, right now. And that, yes, illegal immigration, immigrants pose a challenge to social services of states and municipalities, especially along the border. Um, but that they're, they're, um, the, the idea that this crime aspect is so prevalent is not statistically relevant. It is lower. And we need to come to terms with that. So I always ask the question, and this is what I'll ask each and every one of you. Why do we care? Why do we care when our politicians make comments that are just not based on fact? And I believe Donald J. Trump has done a great job of branding and image. And uh, what he says, unfortunately, goes for so many in the media circles because, you know, his tweets are being covered. Everything this man says before he was president was being covered and scrutinized and analyzed. My worry is that we're making issues up that do not exist. And this is scary. Illegal immigration in the United States is a major, major public policy concern. But it is the way in which it is being framed is dangerous. We, Americans, Canadians, everyone, need to come to terms and call out our media and our president, or maybe not even pay attention when these crazy ideas are being thrown around. I think we're giving up our attention too easily to issues that I think we all know either is more than what is being told, but is fundamentally incorrect. So let's make a pact to continue the conversation, but focus less on the rhetoric and more on the facts when it comes to legal immigration. It's too important. But as always, stay balanced, stay informed, call out your elected leaders, and make sure that the conversations you're having are being respectful of each other and of the facts. Thanks so much for listening. I'll catch you in the next one. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Strong and Free, the podcast dedicated to providing you with the information that you need on the topics of the day. And remember, stay balanced, stay informed, 